0: Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. This is week two of Legacy, and the title of today's talk is You Only Live Twice. And um, we did a series earlier this year called Who Am I? And it was all about identity. It was sort of like, okay, who am I when I look in the mirror? Who who do I think I am? And for today's message, I wanna take it from a different angle. And that angle is this, what is your reputation? What is your reputation? You personally, what is that reputation? Even more personal, what are five words people would use to describe those? And there's five blanks on your message notes I don't have those five words for you, and so I want you to take 30 seconds now and write down the first five words that come to mind if you're brave enough. If you're brave enough of like, okay, when people describe me, just pick a word, not a phrase, just these are the five words that people would actually use to describe me. Word number one is this, word number two is this, word number three is this, number four, number five. Take a few seconds to do that. My question for you is this, how do those words make you feel? Make you feel proud? Make you feel discouraged? Um, Should we even care about this? Should we actually care what other people think about us? Is that a a godly thing to do? Is that a scriptural thing to do? Um, And actually, the Bible talks quite a bit about reputation. Proverbs 22, verse 1 says this, A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. I think it's a big idea. I do a lot of work in the creative industry, and I can tell you like, uh, in the creative industry, it's not what you know, it's who you know? And that goes not just for creative industry. That goes for a lot of jobs. I, I work with Monday nights, a lot of young professionals, and they'll tell me stories of like applying to different jobs, that sort of thing. And so many times it's like, ah, if I don't know someone in that company, if I don't know someone in that place, it is so difficult to break in to get a job. That's your reputation, favor. That's a big, big deal. First Peter 2.12 says this. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evil devers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Bottom line is this, like a lot of people who don't, have any context for faith, who don't have any context for God. They may have an idea of what people of faith are. They may have an idea of what people of God are, but you're gonna change that reputation for better or for worse. The way that you live with your life, the way that you interact with others. And so it says, keep your reputation good so that they may know you by your good deeds and observe them and say, hey, I've heard about Christians. I don't know about them, but I know about this person who works with me. I know about this person who goes to school with me and I can vouch for them. They have an incredible reputation. Solomon takes it a little heavier in in Ecclesiastes 7.1, it says this, a good name is better than a good ointment, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Gets pretty heavy there. And so when we think about reputation, uh, we have to think about from four main places, four main places that people get your reputation from. The first one is this, what others say about you? What others say about you? And just know this, it's inevitable. People are going to speak about you. People have conversations about me. And uh, the other thing is, people are having conversations. Some of you in this room have had conversations about me, have said stuff about me. And I'm not saying good or bad, I'm just saying you're going to have an opinion about me. Many people in this room have said things about you and not necessarily good or bad, but they've had conversations about you while you're not there. People at work have had conversations about you while you're not there. People at home and your family have had conversations about you while you're not there. The scary thing is 90% of what people say about you when you're not there will never make it back to you. You're never gonna know. And so it's so powerful to have that reputation. And if you wanna have a good reputation, I think the the big hack, the big thing that you can do, the big thing that you can know, the key to having a good reputation with other people, be kind, be kind, be thoughtful, be encouraging to other people. It helps them out in their lives and it will actually help how people think about you. Live your life kindly, live your life selflessly and it'll make a big difference. So that's one, what people say about you. Next place people get your reputation from is your tribe, your tribe. There's all sorts of definitions of tribe. You're known by your family, your immediate family. A lot of times we sit, like with my kids, I say, we're Stenets, and as Stenets, that means we're kind to people. As Stenets, that means we're fun and easygoing. As Stenets, like there's a certain reputation that it's like, hey, being part of this family means having a certain reputation. You're known by the school you went to. You're known by the neighborhood you live in you're known by your religion, you're known by where you work, all those different things. These are parts of your tribe and they're ways that people are gonna know you and it's not necessarily good or bad but as you're thinking about like, okay, those five words and what they are, um, that's part of it. The next way is your gifts, the gifts that you have. Can you sing? I cannot. I see all the worship band up here and I'm like, that will never, ever, ever be me. Can you do math? Do you make amazing food? Are you fun? Are you great at chemistry? For me, I write. That's something that I really like. put my passion into. Uh, Are you good at selling things? What are your gifts? What are those things? And those gifts are things that you may look at other people and think about all their gifts that they have and you're like, "Ah, I would never have a gift. Well, I promise you, people look at certain gifts in your life and think I will never have a gift like you have. And so you have that reputation and that's good to know, okay, these are my gifts. And then the final thing is, your past failures and successes. That's where your reputation comes from. Did you graduate with honors? Did you get laid off your job? Did you win an award? I mean, all these different things are pieces of the puzzle. So your reputation is something that's incredibly important and I think we start thinking about a reputation pretty early on. I remember in elementary school, I would think about my reputation. I have two daughters in elementary school right now, and they're kind of starting to think about, like, oh, what do the people think about me? Like, how does that work? And then in middle school, it really gets real. Anyone remember middle school? Or have you just blacked that out totally? Like, <laughs> in middle school, it really starts to get real. You're holding that lunch table in, and you're like, ah, how do people know me? Like, what is that reputation? And so that's there. But really... It's important to know that your reputation matters, but your reputation is what lasts today. A legacy that we're talking about this morning is what lasts forever. And actually he struggled with writing this word. I was like, ah, should I say outlast you? Should I really use the word forever? But looking at it from a biblical basis, you have to use the word forever. Jesus called it everlasting life. There's a lot written in the Bible actually about your actions and those actions that will outlast you. Those things that you do that will outlast you, not just outlast you after you die, but last for an eternity. It's a really kind of big, significant idea. So how do we create a worthwhile advocacy? I wanna go back to Ecclesiastes 7.1, and it says this, a good name is better than a fine perfume, and the day of death is the better, better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. You're probably thinking, man, Rob, I came to church to feel good. <laughs> this is fall day, and you're really harshing my mellow, man, like. <laughs> Didn't want creepy Halloween sermon, wanted happy Jesus sermon. Um, I understand that, but this is, these are not my words. These are words in scriptures, words of Solomon of like, hey, we have to know that we are not here forever, that there's a finite time that we have here on earth. And it's not just Solomon that says it, the book of James says, uh, in chapter four, verse 14 says this, why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So your life is a mist and then vanishes. But so many times we put all of our stock in kind of the right here and right now, all the marketing, everything that we're facing is kind of aimed at the right here and the right now. I got to be in DC a couple of weeks ago and I've walked around the monuments at night. Has anyone ever walked around the monuments at night in DC? It's pretty, if you've never done it, it's a pretty incredible thing to do. You see all of these people and you wanna talk about legacy. You see the Lincoln Memorial and you see a speech from the Gettysburg Address and it's lit up at night and you're like, wow, that was a legacy, a legacy of value, a legacy of freedom, a legacy of all men were created equal. Like that's, that's here. Uh, you go, I, my grandfather served in World War II, and I went to the World War II memorial, and I thought, wow, he's part of this legacy right here. That's incredible, the way so many men laid down their lives, the way so many women laid down their lives, the way so many people laid down their lives for this thing. That's incredible legacy right here. And as we were walking around, as was with my buddy there, and we were walking around, and he's like, he's like, you're a pastor, right? You talk to people a lot. And I was like, yeah, I, I try to talk to people at least once a day. And he's like... Uh, He's like, so I have a question for you. And I was like, okay, here we go. And he said, hey, why do you think so many marriages fail? And I said, you want to know the honest truth? I think we take them for granted. I don't just think, you know, sometimes it's being selfish and really hurting the other person, but I think the thing that goes wrong a lot more times in our lives is we take things for granted. And we take it for granted actually by accident. The reason we take things for granted is because today, right here and now, today has so much pressure. Today says, I've got to clean the house. I've got to write a message. I've got to pick up my kids from school. I've got a crazy deadlines. I've got a stack of bills. I've got to get the oil changed. I have so many things to do today that I just have to function on whatever right in front of me, the most urgent thing. Like, that's what I have to do. These pressures are real. And what we think to ourselves is we're like, okay, I'm just gonna deal with today and then tomorrow, tomorrow in the future, way over here, is when I'll get to the important stuff. And so we don't really deal with the important stuff today. Does this sound like you? Have you ever thought anything like this? I'll start eating better tomorrow. I've been absent, but I'll take care of my kids this weekend. I'm gonna start having meaningful, quiet time and prayer time next week. I'll start working out more and and taking care of my health more when this project is over and I'm less stressed. I'm going to really focus on my marriage after I get this promotion. We take tomorrow for granted. And then the other thing that we do is today becomes so overwhelming and so painful and so much that we actually start to do things that hurt our tomorrow today. We say, I just need to eat this. I just need to drink this. I just need to watch this. I just need to sleep with that person because I just want to feel better today. I'm dead inside and I want to feel something today. We make these decisions that we wanna come to life today, but we make those decisions at the expense of tomorrow. And then eventually what happens is tomorrow becomes today. And what happens is all those things that seem distant in the future, all of a sudden they're right here and are present. And things, when I say we take them for granted, I know I'm talking about marriage, but there's a lot of things we take for granted. We take our friends for granted, we take our family for granted, we take our work for granted, we take our health for granted, we take God for granted and we do all these things, and we take it for granted, it's going to start withering. And if we don't turn our attention to it, eventually it's going to die. And so we have to turn our attention to something more everlasting. If you're going to get something this morning, we have to have a paradigm shift. And that paradigm shift is this. What does it take to leave a lasting legacy? Matthew 6, 19 says this. Do not lay up... For yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And by the idea of heart, I want to kind of unpack that a little bit. Scripture kind of gives three different definitions of heart your heart equals your money, your heart equals your time, and your heart equals your thoughts. So these are the three ways that kind of like what our heart is in. And the best way to leave a legacy that lasts is not to invest in yourself, but you wanna invest in something that matters. And so part of the way that I look at this is, um, it's there, and, and when I say the word invest, it really means invest these three things. And the analogy that I like to give is, uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge Broncos fan, I'm there, and so I grew up in Colorado as a Broncos fan. And as, yeah, thank my brother. And as a Broncos fan, we lost like in the 80s, we lost three straight painful Super Bowls. The third one we lost the three out of four years, we lost 55 to 10. Do you know what it's like going to school the next day when you're in elementary school and your team just lost 55 to 10? I'm like still in therapy because of it. It's like really, really dark. And so I was there and I've lost all that time. And so when I'd watched for my whole life and when the Broncos finally won their first Super Bowl, I was there and I was so all in. And I was so all in because I invested my time. I'd spent so many Sundays watching those games. I invested my money. I bought jerseys. I bought jackets. I bought hats. I invested all these things and I invested my thoughts. I was thinking like, okay, was it gonna take us to win? What are we gonna do in the draft? Like I was thinking about all these things. And those three things, when we finally won the Super Bowl, it meant so much to me. Any sports fans, have you ever had your team finally win and know what it feels like? You're like, ah, you know, that's so incredible. Sorry, people from Cincinnati. You don't know what that feels like, but everyone else. (laughs) I don't know why I just took that shot. Everyone else, you know what that feels like. If you're, you know, if you're a Longhorn fan, you know, like, on that day when Vince Young, like, went and that game against USC, Vince Young had this incredible game and beat the mighty USC. If you, you know, if you're a Cubs fan, like, Chicago just won a few years ago, and it meant so much to those people because they had spent 108 years, like, investing their money, investing their time, and, like, generations and great-grandchildren never saw it. When people finally did, they were crying because it meant so much, and it was just a game with a bat and a ball, but it meant so much because they invested in something. But then there's other type of people who are like, I'm like, oh man, the Broncos won the Super Bowl. And they're like, is that a sport ball game? Like, what is that? You know, they're like, <laughs> they're like, oh, that's cool. You know, that must be happy for you. And they don't really care. And the reason they don't care is A, because they don't care. But B, they've invested nothing. If you've invested nothing in it, you're like, everyone's so happy about this. And I don't really care because I haven't invested in anything. You can't have your heart in something if you do not invest in it. Your heart cannot be in church or the things of God if you don't invest your time, your money, and your energy into it. Your heart cannot be in your family or your friends if you don't invest your time, your money, and your thoughts into it. This is what it takes. This is what it means to invest in something. And so there are three, uh, there's three big ideas of leaving a legacy. One is I want you to invest in your tribe. Invest in your tribe. 1 Timothy six seventeen says this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. In this command, they will lay up for themselves a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take a hold of life that is truly life. And so, Timothy, Paul here, is telling Timothy, like, this is how you need to pastor people. This is how you need to Teach to people. You have to command themselves. Don't just live for today. Live for something much greater. Pastor Ross talked about this last week. But if you make more than $45,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the world. You're in the top one percent. And so Paul says, don't be arrogant. Put your hope in wealth because that's so uncertain. And so you have to put yourself and you have to invest and go all in in something that's greater. And this is a really, really difficult shift to make because today the present is so... Uh, it's so right in front of you. I remember for me, like I was there and like I I felt like I started making this shift in my 20s. In my 20s, I was kind of going, I was, you know, kind of doing different things, but I didn't really have much of an idea for future. I had some girlfriends and different things, and then there were some breakups in my life. Has anyone in here ever had a really bad breakup? Like, you know, just one of those, yeah, a few, you, you know what I mean, really, bad, I mean, it's painful. And I know some of you have significantly painful breakups. I had this breakup, and when it, when it happened in my life, all of a sudden, everything, like, I, this was the early 2000s, and all of a sudden, songs on the radio that didn't even mean anything to me had this deep, profound meaning. I'd like turn on the radio and I was like, you know, it ain't no lie. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> and I'm like crying. I'm like crying through that. And I was like, it's true, Justin. You know, like, I'm just like, <laughs> like, you get me. <laughs> These songs that were annoying to me all of a sudden were like ministering to my soul. <laughs> and it's weird. It was like, it was such a, it was such a shift for me. And so it was there and I was kind of living for the moment. And, uh, I had throughout that time, uh, Uh, For a long time, I had, there was a girl named Sarah McGuire, and she was a dear, dear friend of mine. We actually went to prom together as juniors, just as friends, went to prom just as friends. And then uh, I was best friends with her brother, and I would sort of, like, play basketball in the driveway. And I'd be like, so your sister, what's going on there? And he'd be like, get out. And so, uh, you know, we were there. But eventually we started dating, and it was incredible, and we dated for a while. And then finally I knew, I knew that she was the one. And so I was like, okay, I'm a creative guy. Everyone knows me as a creative guy. I need to do something like grand and profound to profess my love. So I wrote this play called *Sleepless in Colorado Springs*. <laughs> and we put it on, and it was like 500 people there. And at the very end, like it was this whole love story about our life. And at the very end, we played uh, "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" from *Lion King*. And so it's like boom, moan, and as the chorus starts our families, like brothers, sisters, moms, and dad, come out and do a choreographed dance with each other. Our dads were like dancing around, like just like, like, I, was, like I was like, wow, this is so incredible. And then she looked at me like, wow, you must love me to embarrass our parents like this. <laughs> and then at the very end of the play, I actually pulled her up on stage and I got down on a knee and I said, you know what? I love you so much. I think about you every morning. I don't wanna spend the rest of my life with you. So I just have one question for you and please answer honestly. Will you be my husband? <laughs> <laughs> kind of messed it up, I was nervous in the moment. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute, he, what, what's happening in the story? <laughs> Eventually, I got it right, and I said, "Will you be my wife forever and over and over?" And she said yes, and we hugged, and it was like so incredible. And then, like as soon as we were like engaged, all of a sudden it was like, "Okay, we gotta make plans as engaged people." And so then I remember they're like, "Hey, you need to go and get registered," and I was like, "Oh man, getting registered—that sounds like a day at the DMV." And so. <laughs> I was like, what is getting registered? And she's like, no, we go to like, you know, we go to like different shops. Like we can go to Target. And I was like, okay. And she's like, and we get a laser gun. And I was like, keep talking. (laughs) And they pretty much give you a gun and you just walk around the store and whatever you want, you just shoot and then people buy it for you. I was like, really? (laughs) America is the best country on earth. (laughs) This is incredible. (laughs) And so we literally went around and like just started like zapping plates and zapping forks and zapping different stuff. I literally, I kid you not, I saw season two of ALF. I zapped it (laughs) and someone bought us season two for ALF. We were like opening presents and Sarah was like, what is this? And I was like, I know they love us. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) People are Googling ALF right now. Like what in the world? And so we did, we did all these things. And I realized it was like, once we were finally like unwrapping these presents, I realized I was like, oh, we're actually building like a future for ourselves. We're actually building a life and a new reality. And we're investing in each other and other people are investing in us. And we're actually building not just this present, we're building this future home, this future family. And it changed this paradigm shift for me. And so I think that's what I want you to do. I want you to change that paradigm shift. One is I want you to invest in your family. Invest in your family, take vacations, make good memories, eat dinner together, call mom and dad, kids in here, call your mom and dad, like invest in them. Like even when you leave home, tell them you love them. And it's not just like your immediate family, I think the next generation, it's also like one thing that I love about A Value at One Chapel is like, we invest in the next generation. I lead a group called Monday Night, it's young adults, young professionals. Yeah, it's amazing. But what I love is like, I look out and so many people in there, they serve, the, the singles, the young professionals, they're serving in TAG, they're serving in our kids ministry, they're serving because they're like, you know what, I'm not just gonna invest in myself, I'm gonna invest in the next generation as well. And that's what we're called to. Invest in your friendships, invest in your old friends, those longtime friends, those are valuable. Don't take those friendships for granted, they will dry up and go away. You invest in those old friendships and be making new friendships, invest in those. Invest in the kingdom, invest in the kingdom. This means investing in your church in this church family this means investing in strangers and showing them the kindness of Jesus. This means being a light when there's darkness, where you're bringing hope into your family, hope into school, hope into workplace, hope into your neighborhoods. That's what it means to invest in the kingdom. Idea number two, everyone say number two. Idea number two is believe in sowing and reaping. I want to read a couple of passages about this. Galatians 6, 7, uh, starting at 6, verse 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not get up. up. Therefore, we have an opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially those who belong in the family of believers. 2 Corinthians 9, another passage which talks about this idea says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Don't feel pressured to give. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I get nervous to read these passages, to be honest, because I've seen them... A little bit mistaught where it's like we kind of think of sowing and reaping a little bit more like the stock market. We're kind of like, okay, I'm putting this money in, I'm putting this time in, and I'm just going to watch it and see what happens. It's, It's a truth, but I don't think it's the truth. I think the language here is really important of kind of a farming culture. Luke Perry was talking to me about this this week, where he was telling me about like, he loves planting trees, and he talked about this, like, he went, did a deep dive on what it means to plant a tree and kind of, like, all the work that it takes. And the people here were, like, we're pretty distant from farming. We're distant from our food, a lot of us. But people who this culture was speaking to, it's like, they knew what sowing meant. It meant, like, putting something in the ground, and you water it, and you cultivate it, and you take care of it. It's time. It's money. It's energy. It's all those things. And then as you sow and as you do that generously, that kind of big idea, something will spring up out of the ground. And so that's more what it means. It means to really go and to give yourself in a really significant way. And so I think uh, what's cool is like, if you think about this, there are legacies that we... we reap all the time. We reap, did you use a phone today? Have you used your phone at all today? You are reaping a legacy of all, of all sorts of scientific work. For everything from Thomas Edison to Steve Jobs have kind of contributed with that device in your hand, which is so incredible. Did you ride a card here? I think most of you rode a car here. I saw a few horses in the parking lot, but they were mostly cars. And if you, wrote a, if you were in a car here somehow, you were enjoying the legacy of Henry Ford and all sorts of engineers who went and made cars what they are And it's like, okay, that's their legacy. If you're sitting in church today and that's you who is sitting in church today, or if you're sitting online watching it, that's you who's watching it with us. If that's you, you are enjoying the legacy of disciples who are like, okay, we're not just gonna keep what Jesus did here. We're gonna spread this out in the world. People like Peter, James, John, Martha, Mary Magdalene, all these disciples of Jesus went out and made a difference with their life. Legacy. Specifically, if you're sitting at one chapel today, there was a group of 50 people who were like, okay, we believe in this vision, we believe in it. People like Ross and Amy, Parsley, Spiro and Jennifer Stavros, Brent and Maurice, Parsley, Marty and Casey Irwin, these kind of couples, these families came here and said, okay, we're gonna go and we're gonna invest in something because we believe God is doing something bigger there and we're enjoying today the legacy that they left, that they've invested in this place. So what sort of legacy do we want to leave as a group of people? If I walked out of the store all by myself and said, I'm going to make a difference, I'm going to make an impact, I kind of wouldn't know where to start, to be honest. But if I said, hey, everyone in here, look around for a moment. Look around, look at your neighbor. If everyone in here, if we all go together, if we take some people from Lake Travis, if we take some people from Kyle, if we take people from Liberty Hill, if we mobilize together, we can make an incredible difference. Yeah, yeah, that's good. good. That person believes that. (laughs) Here's, Here's the big news. Pastor Ross mentioned this last week, but One Chapel Austin is looking to purchase our first ever piece of property and building. This is incredible news, but this is, you can't think of it of like, oh, that's something nice that One Chapel is doing. If you think about like that like that, we fail. It has to be like this is something that we, everyone in here, are doing together. We are going to make this happen. And to make this happen, it's going to take our hearts. And by hearts, I mean your time, your thoughts, your resources, your money, like all of it's like, okay, we're going to pull something together and we're going to leave a legacy for different people to build that building. And is it going to be easy? No. But is it going to be a lasting legacy that makes a difference? I believe that with my whole heart and I hope you do too. That's what we're looking to do. Again, Galatians 6, 8, 9 says, whoever sows to please the flesh from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life don't become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This takes me to point number three. Be determined to finish well. So many people start but they don't finish well. I did some research and uh, there's all sorts of uh, statistics about things that don't finish well. A few that jumped out to me in the corporate world: only 2.5 percent of companies that suce- only 2.5 percent of companies successfully complete 100 percent of their projects, which means like there's a lot of projects that like hey we're gonna start this and they fail and they die. Some stats say 70 to 80 percent of church plants fail. Finishing is really hard; it takes a cost. Ephesians 5 says. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We must know what's important, and we have to go all in on the things that are important. And can I be honest with you? Like, this morning, are we friends enough? Can I be, can I be vulnerable and share some with you? This is a true thing. I struggle with being afraid of the future. Like, if there's holic Anonymous, like, that's me. Like, I'm... I'm I'm afraid of the future. It creeps up into all sorts of different areas in my life. You know, I talked about like a good Broncos story. Like last, last week I was watching a Broncos game. They went up by six points. Like, oh man, they went up by six points. I was like, they're gonna lose by 30. They did. <laughs> I know, sad. <laughs> uh, we, I think of all these different things. I think about like the way something can happen, but then I think about like, oh, these are all the ways things are gonna go wrong. Like it's just where my brain goes. I think about all the things. It's it's Halloween week, but I'm not scared of ghosts and goblins. I'm scared of the future. I think about like, okay, what's gonna happen to my home value? What's gonna happen in the 2020 election? What's gonna happen? Like all these things, like, okay, if this happens, that means this is, like I kind of consciously, that stuff will creep into my mind. And I remember like, when I really learned to like reshape and reframe this, it was a night like a long time ago. um, And it was, uh, Sarah and I were married by then. And actually, uh, yeah, go ahead and hand that to me. Uh, I came home uh, from work one day, and she brought me a present, and there was a little candlelit dinner, and we ate dinner together, it was so amazing, and I remember eating, and then uh, afterwards, she kinda like gave this present and was like, here, open this, and I was like, oh, wow, what's this? And so I started opening it, and I was like, man, is it diamonds, is it an Xbox? Like, I was like, oh, wow, (laughs) what is gonna be in here? And then I opened the present, and I started unwrapping it a little bit more, And then I was there and I was like, wow, this is really small. (laughs) I was like, I don't know what this flappy thing is for, if this is like what millennials are wearing or what, but no, that's cool, that's cool, babe. And so then I remember, and I looked at it and it, it said this on it, it said, future Jedi. And I remember thinking of it and it took, you know, I'm slow, so it took me a good five seconds and I was like, wait, who is this for? Oh, wow, this is for our, Oh, wow, we and now, wow. (laughs) It was all of a sudden real of like, oh, wow, this is for my future baby. Like, what does that mean? And for me, I was very, very, like, excited. But then I was also, I was excited, but then there was also that future fear that started to click in my mind. And I was scared. I was like, oh, wow, this thing right here, that means future diaper changes. That means future debt That means future creepy boys coming to my house with mullets and mustaches. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm weird. I I don't know what that is. I think about all these things of like, oh, wow, this is the future, and the future is something to be afraid of. But let me tell you, if you want to leave a legacy, the foundation of it, if you take one thing from today, the foundation is this. You must live with the hope of tomorrow, but do not live with the fear of tomorrow. If you fear tomorrow, it will cripple you. Hebrews eleven fourteen 14 says this. Each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting, and accept the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live in the way make a plain that they were looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted, but they were after a far better country than that heaven country you can see why God is so proud of them and he has a city waiting for them Jesus is saying to the people yeah he's saying there is hope in the future and so when you look at the future don't be afraid of it do not be afraid look at the future I look at this onesie now and I think of Juliana and I I don't think of diaper changes I don't think of anything like that I don't think of like debt I don't think of things like that I think of this future this little girl is growing up to be a world leader She's growing up to be a world changer. She's growing up to be a mission. There is a call of God in her life and he has trusted me to make that incredible. What's your future that you're looking forward to? Don't look at it afraid. Think of like, I'm a future writer, I can write that book. I'm a future runner, I can run that race. I'm a future that I can go and and I've been hurt before but I'm gonna still invest in friendships because friendships and people matter. I'm gonna invest in my family even though they've hurt me because my family is forever, my family is eternal. I'm gonna build relationships. I'm gonna trust again. I'm gonna have hope in the future. We're talking about this building, this one chapel building. And are you thinking, like, oh wow, think about how much money it's gonna cost? Think about how much how hard it's gonna be to move all the stuff and get it moved in. That's so much hard and time and money and energy. I don't look at it like that. I think this building is gonna be a place where people get healed. This building is gonna be a place where we laugh together and make new memories. This bu- building is gonna be a place where our kids get married in, where some of you will get married in. Kaka, I know, whoa. <laughs> You're looking around like me? Yeah, maybe you. <laughs> and we'll be there and we'll celebrate with you. We're gonna invest in something, in a legacy in your life, in our kids' life, in our grandkids' life. We're gonna have hope and life and impact on people's life for eternity. We're gonna impact the neighborhoods of people who have never met us. But we're going to impact their life in a way they don't even know yet, because we're living with hope. We're stepping out, in it and we're like, we're not afraid of that. We are not afraid. We are stepping out of the boat. We're keeping our eyes on Jesus, and we believe in the hope of the future. <laughs> we're church today. I'm preaching. So it's that it's that paradigm shift of legacy. Here's the thing: reputation. We started with that reputation in your today. Reputation is something that you can enjoy today. Legacy is something others will enjoy long after you're gone. So what's it gonna be? I actually wanna take a moment and I'll read this speech from a Dead Poets Society. There's this scene where Mr. Keating goes and he talks to these young kids. And he, like, they're, they're young and they're kind of like living for themselves. And Robin Williams, the great late Robin Williams, one of his legacies actually, I believe, is this speech which ignited a generation. And I saw this when I was around the age of those boys and it impacted my life. And he said this, it was there and it was all these boys and they were kind of like selfish, privileged kids and they, they just kind of weren't thinking about like who they are and what they were called to be. And so he, showed, he took them out in the hallway. He's like, okay, we're gonna leave class. We're gonna look at this hallway and we're gonna look at these picture of these young men who are now gone. These are from a hundred years ago and these, this from the early 1900s, this from the late 1800s, these young men are all now gone. And so I want you to look at their pictures, he said. And then he said this, they're not that different from you, are they? Same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota because they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys now are fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear it. The whisper, their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Can you hear it? Carpe diem. Seize the days, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion, medicine, law, business, engineering. These are noble pursuits and necessaries to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what to stay alive for. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. There's a time for daring and there's a time for caution and a wise man understands which is called for. Now you all have the great need for acceptance, but you must trust your beliefs are unique, your own, even though others may think them odd or unpopular, even though the herd may go, that's bad. Robert Frost said this, two roads diverged in the wood, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. I always thought the idea of education was to learn and think for yourself, Boys, you must strive to find your own voice because the longer you wait to begin, the less likely you are to find it at all. Thoreau said, most men leave lives of quiet desperation. Don't be resigned to that. Break out. This is a guy, this is Peter Weir, director, secular screenwriter, but I think he gets something that we as believers should have There are two roads. The easy one, that's the road for today. The hard one, that's the road for tomorrow, which is like, okay, I'm gonna take that road less traveled. I'm gonna take that harder road and I'm gonna live for the future. I'm gonna break out because I have something to give. I have something to offer. I have something. What I leave behind is just as important as what's ahead of me. So think about that. Think about your lives in that way. I wanna invite the band to come on up here. 1 Corinthians 3.13 says it like this. But on judgment day fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. And so we've all done work, you're spending your lives doing something, but this passage talks about fire. The meaningful stuff will last forever and the temporary stuff will burn away and will be gone and vanish. Spend your time, spend your energy, spend your hearts uh, with a legacy of what's going on. I actually invite everyone in here to take a moment and stand up. And I wanna just do one last thing today. And I want us to sing the song that we sung earlier. And this song is about kind of seeing the battle ahead and seeing a victory that God has for us in our life. And I love this song because it's a song of hope in the future of like, okay, things are hard today, but I have hope for where I spend my life and I can make an impact, I can make a difference. So I want you to think about those words that you wrote down at the beginning. I want you to think about your life where you've been investing yourself in. And as we sing this last song, I want you to be a prayer and say, okay, God, where do you want me to find hope for the future? Where do you want me to invest my legacy? And I don't care if you're 12 or if you're 102, this prayer is for you today. And so think about this and pray this as we sing together. I'm gonna pray and then I want us to sing this one last song together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each and every person in this room, Lord. I thank you for how many so, I'm looking at the face in this room and I thank you for how so many in this room have given their hearts their lives, their time, their energy, their money, their emotion, to things that leave a lasting legacy. And Lord, I pray for wisdom for each and every one of us. I pray that you would give us the epiphany of what it means to leave a legacy, of what it means to leave something that lasts far outside of ourselves, Lord. We pray these things, Jesus. We take a moment right now and we turn our lives and our hearts to you. Speak to us as we sing this song in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com slash welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11. See you next time.